You have to kneel down when you are fetching water from the toilet pit. We use this water for cooking, but the children and the children they're getting rich on their body. And, and at the moment we don't even have water to drink, water to bath or anything. So for us to take water and put it on the soil is a waste. We've got it to survive and look at that first. On average, South Africans face severe water shortages about every 10 years and is enduring the worst drought in 23 years. Speaking on AM Live this morning, Water Affairs Minister Namvula Mokanyane painted a bleak picture. Global warming is, is now in our face. It's on our doorstep. That is one of uh, the reasons why even the cycle of, of drought has been exacerbated in this period. South Africa generally is a water-scarce country. We do not have our own independent, sovereign water sources. We rely on uh, water basins that uh, are also supplying our neighboring countries. We already have 98% of our surface water being allocated, with more than 60% allocated to irrigation. We've not, as a country, explored other very quick wins just of recycling and reusing water. If that 98% that is already being allocated could at least be utilized twice or thrice, we'll be home and dry. Wherever we use water, let's make sure that we use water responsibly and we, we understand that it is a precious uh, resource. Water Minister Namvula Mokanyane, Fredendal recorded the hottest global temperature in history for the month of October. The SA Weather Service says it reached 48.4 degrees Celsius last week, Tuesday. What strategies could be employed to mitigate against these climate risks and others? Sir David King is the lead author of a report that showed climate change risks being comparable to those posed by nuclear disaster. Born in Durban and educated at Wits University, Sir David is now the UK's special representative on climate change. This year is going to be the hottest year on record for the whole planet. And the fact that uh, Friedendahl experienced 48.4 degrees centigrade is, is just a measure of what is actually happening in many parts of the world. Now, human beings actually cannot survive in temperatures of 40 degrees centigrade if the humidity is at all high, you just can't get rid of your heat. And so without access to air conditioning, and most people will not have access to air conditioning, quite simply these very high temperatures mean that there will be a large number of fatalities. And we're predicting for parts of China, parts of India, for parts of the United States, that that will become, unless we manage the climate change problem, that is going to become a, a very severe impact on human society. So what, what we have potentially with climate change driven by our use of fossil fuels is a very risky situation for the planetary economy because what happens in one part of the world impacts on, for example, food prices. That impacts on the whole world. What sort of strategies do you think could be employed in South Africa to mitigate against these such climate risks? There are many parts of the world that have suffered shortages in water provision, and I think it is very important to take the lessons learned instead of reinventing the wheel for South Africa from those regions. Um, I think the, that Singapore, for example, Israel is another one, but if we just take Singapore, 
every drop of water that falls on that area of the world is carefully conserved and recirculated. Every drop of water is recirculated. It's processed and recirculated. Um, so I, I think that there are so many measures in terms of water efficiency that can be introduced. In most parts of the world, and I happen to know that South Africa is one of them, water losses from uh, distribution are a major issue. Uh, I believe in South Africa something like 30 to 40 percent of your water is lost in distribution. Now, quite simply, you can't afford to do that. So David King is the UK Special Representative on Climate Change. Now, our generation is among the most highly medicated in history. The WHO estimates the global pharmaceuticals market is worth $300 billion a year, and that's only expected to rise to $400 billion within the next three years. How is that related to water consumption? Well, joining us on the line is Professor Anthony Turton. He's a water expert at the Center for Environmental Management at the University of the Free State. Professor Turton, thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you and your listeners. So how do pharmaceuticals have an impact on water use and quality? Well, all pharmaceuticals uh, pass through the body only partially metabolized, and they uh, come back uh, into the sewage uh, return stream. So it's basically the flow of sewage return flows back into rivers and dams that becomes an issue. And in the context now of, uh, of, of, of a drought, which is what we currently experience in South Africa, we are, uh, uh, in terms of percentage-wise, we are recycling more sewage effluent for drinking water purposes, but we're not doing it with technology that effectively removes these pharmaceuticals and personal care products. So that is but one of the complex issues associated with the recycling economy, which is where we're transitioning towards. Mm, I mean, we've got one of the highest ARV programs in the world. Uh, what risks are being posed to South Africans with, with the ARVs or perhaps even with estrogen that's now in our waters? Well, the, the simple question uh, answer is that we don't know because we haven't put sufficient uh, funding into research. Um, uh, this is one of the, the drums that I've been beating for a while to actually increase the, the amount of funding that goes into research. What we do know from, uh, from research being done in other parts of the world is that, for example, uh, estrogen uh, and uh, those types of, of substances are coming back into our drinking water, and that is having an impact overall on the... Uh, on the, on the levels of estrogen in, our, in, our, in, in, in the broader uh, systems, okay? What we also know, as a matter of fact, is that we've got one of the highest levels of HIV in the world, and therefore we can assume that we've got one of the highest levels of uh, antiretroviral use. So therefore we can also assume, and we don't know this, we haven't quantified this scientifically, but we can assume that we've therefore got one of the highest levels of return flows of partially metabolized uh, ARV. Now, what that does to a population, we just don't know, because we have never actually done a, a high-confidence study of that. So that's just one of, you know, one of, one of the many issues that, uh, that are relevant. I would also like to touch base with the previous uh, speaker of yours, uh, uh, Dr. King, or Professor King mm. from uh, uh, UK, because he spoke there about, 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 uh, about losses, losses in the system. And what I'd also like to say in the context of the current drought is that losses, in fact, not only from pipes, but losses from uh, due to evaporation from open dams is a huge, huge and growing issue in South Africa. If you take, for example, the Vaal Dam, which is the strategic source of water for Gauteng, uh, more water is lost to evaporation off the Vaal Dam than comes in under natural conditions for 11 of the 12 months of the year. 
that is, that is under normal conditions. So under conditions of, 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 of increased climate change, where we're going to have higher, higher ambient temperatures, that loss is going to become higher. So, so you know, the, the, the situation with our drought and the fact that we're transitioning now to a water recycling economy, uh, we're going to have to start doing lots of new types of things. And one of the, the big challenges is to find alternative strategic storage other than large dams. So, you know, the, the era of building very, very big dams is probably over, although our economy is incre- uh, almost 100% reliant on large dams. And do you think our government is considering the technology that it needs to firstly remove the pharmaceuticals from our water and then store good quality water? Well, you know, I've, I've just been this morning in and in a number of senior delegates from government and from, from the Danish government as well, and I'm very uh, by the noises that I'm hearing. The minister is really showing strong leadership in my view. Now she's starting to understand this whole idea of groundwater recharge, of, uh, of, of recycling of sewage water, recycling of wastewater. She's, she's talking about that all the time now. So that's entirely the right thing. Uh, I just heard this morning from the uh, CEO of the Water Service Commission where they've actually prioritised wastewater treatment and, and, and package plant type of treatment. Uh, that is absolutely the right thing. We haven't quite got to the point where we're looking at the removal of end, so-called end disruptors. That is still a, it's a politically sensitive subject, and in my view, that is still underfunded. But, but, but we are moving in the right direction in terms of our national discussion on these things. And that's also why I believe it's important that we should uh, educate the public, because ultimately it will be the public that will be driving the government into, you know, in, into dealing with these issues as we transition into a fundamental water economy in which recycling will an increasingly large component of our future economic growth and development.